there's a lot of wind up here. It's going to be interesting. But uh, this is something I've been wanting to say for a long time. Would you stand as we read from the book that we love? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raised the dead, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So you could probably pick out what is the key word in this whole passage, right? Comfort. All of us love comfort. I mean, sitting down right now, we used to have the white fold-up chairs. They were wooden. We got rid of those because they were not comfortable. You all out there, I hope that you all are very comfortable. Nice breeze, like a 75. Yeah, couldn't be more picturesque. Hope you're comfortable. We are all looking for comfort. <clears throat> How many of you, when you were a kid, sucked your thumb? Raise your hand. Be proud of it. Own it. Okay, I read a paper on psychology today or something like that, that sucking your thumb is the first human addiction. And I was a big thumb sucker. I sucked my thumb probably till I was about four. Uh, I loved my thumb. I was like, they always asked me, is it chocolate or vanilla? And I was like, keep your sass to yourself. Uh, but no, I loved my, my thumb. And uh, <laughs> I think I went till I was age four and I was shamed to stop sucking my thumb. And um, but I think I sucked my thumb so long is because I had um, a need for comfort. My grandmother told me that my mom and my dad would fight. And so that I would go into the corner at the age of two, she said, I began to develop asthma. That's how tra like, traumatic this was for me. And uh, so I, you know, was able to get over it, put a Band-Aid on my thumb. And at nighttime when I popped it in, well, that's disgusting. I'm done. Finally kicked the habit. Some of you are still thumb suckers. It looks like this. Well, more like this. And you just, it's so comforting. I just love this. I love it. It's so comforting. So, exhortation is Greek for up in your face. So I, I'm supposed to get up in your face this morning, and Craig uh, Newcomb said I could get up in his face. Um, so if you, if you can't handle it, it's, it's really I'm talking to Craig, okay? So 
But if you can't handle it, that's great, because God wants to speak to you this morning. So we are basically, our whole existence is to minimize suffering, except for those weirdos who exercise. They love suffering. But they're really doing it because afterwards they feel great. They love that workout feeling, you know, and their bodies feel good. They feel good. It's all about comfort still. We all need hope that the suffering, though, will end. We all need that hope. And sometimes, here's the thing, though, that hope, sometimes hope comforts us, and sometimes it makes it worse. So the Greeks, they did not find, define hope as a great thing like we do today. To them, it stretched out suffering. So we didn't really want to deal with hope. Hope is risky. You could be greatly disappointed. So sometimes we dabble in hope, and sometimes we suck our thumbs. We'd, some of us would rather be comfortable than find true comfort. We want a comfort cocktail, a drug that will alleviate suffering. So there's a Operation Warp Speed, if you've heard of that. We're trying to, it's a race to get a vaccine uh, for this, this terrible COVID virus that we have. And uh, do you have a hope that this vaccine is going to be the silver bullet we need to get out of this? Is that your hope? The government has spent over $10 billion to get a vaccine. There's four companies primarily that are in the race to be number one. Each one has a different thing uh, that could really be the, the clincher. Drew Guess, our, our, um, our resident uh, pharmaceutical rep, he gave me all this great information to let you know that your hope, your hope could be in a vaccine. But who will it be? Will it be Moderna? They're in phase three. They're about to ready to kick it out. We've invested about $2 billion into them. Uh, will it be in Pfizer? We've invested almost the same in them. J&J, &J, where is your hope? Um, it's interesting. Moderna has never put a product to market. But we've invested $2 billion in them. The Wall Street Journal said... No company using the same experimental approach has managed to pull off a successful drug. Moderna has more than 20 experimental drugs and vaccines for cancer, infectious diseases, and other conditions in development, but none are close to being commercially available to patients. Where's your hope? Is, are you more hopeful now? Are you comfortable? Are you comforted? Not only that, but the FDA is new measures you know, we've really got to get this vaccine to market. So instead of being our normal 70% effective, we're going to go with 50%. So you have a 50% sh uh, shot of getting this vaccine that is actually going to work. What's your hope level now? Science wins. That's what Pfizer says. Science wins. Does this bring you comfort? Does the gospel offer us any hope, any comfort in our global crisis? So the passage we just read was by a man named Paul. He was writing to the Corinthian church, kind of like Las Vegas. Uh, it was, comes to mind to me. And uh, he's writing to them, and he's going to write them here in this passage, the secret formula for true comfort. It's a secret formula that I'm going to share with you today. Paul is an expert in suffering. 
So here's, here's his list. of. So I just want to make sure you understand who we're dealing with here as far as an expert. He says later in the, in the book, he's been far great in far great labors, far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times he received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. So that's 39. Five times that happened to him. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned with rocks. Uh, three times he was shipwrecked. A night and a day he was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from his own people, danger from den- Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst. This is him writing this. He wants to list out all of his sufferings. Often without food in cold and exposure and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me, on my anxiety for all the churches. This guy is our expert on suffering. More than Fauci, he is a true expert. But more than offer us a comfort cocktail or some wine for our stomach or, or, or telling us what our itching ears want to hear, Paul wants us to discover an unshaken hope that offers everlasting comfort. He doesn't want to give you a blissful soothing that ignores reality, but something robust enough to face and overcome evil and every suffering that you're going to experience. That's what he's dabbling in. That's where he's going with this secret formula. So, suffering. This word, in its form of afflicted or affliction, is mentioned seven times. Comfort is mentioned ten times. Suffering, seven times. Becky, uh, who's leading worship this morning, a few weeks ago, she said, we are in a season, this is very prophetic, she said, we are in a season of long-suffering. That's everyone's favorite spiritual fruit, right? Fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering, I love that one. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's the season that we're in. And one of our awesome liturgists, Patrick, he brought up in his liturgy, 2 Corinthians 1, this very passage. And it was so critical because this passage is what got me through COVID. Every night, memorizing it, focusing on God and his mercy as I'm suffering that he is a God of mercy. It's interesting, Paul, suffering is assumed. It's assumed. It's not like maybe you'll suffer in this world. It's a definite. It's going to happen. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. And yet, we're kind of surprised, aren't we? Aren't we kind of surprised when suffering happens to us? We're like, what did I do to deserve that? (laughs) Suffering is assumed in this world. But, but America's promise is, it doesn't have to be for you. You can be in a world without suffering. Science, that's our promise from science. Technology, government, we can take your suffering away. So let's take a look at this passage to see if it even applies to you. Because you might be reading it and you might be like, look, I was never shipwrecked. It never happened to me. Maybe you were in a car accident. I don't know. But you were never shipwrecked. So does this really apply to me? Let's take a look here, okay? The question that might come to mind is, is, is what suffering is Paul referring to? Because you could read it and you, you could be like, well, Paul was a Christian, so he was suffering for Jesus, so this is only about persecution. If you're persecuted for Christ, this is the only kind of suffering that's going to be comforted. Does it apply to me? 
Jesus even said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of me, righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Is this talking about other kinds of suffering or is it just that? The answer we can find in verse 4. And it says, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So all and any. That answers it. It's all and it's any. And you're thinking in your mind, you've got a rebuttal, maybe. You've got a rebuttal and you're thinking, what about suffering brought on by sin? What about chronic illness and pain? What about the unbeliever? Because some people are not comforted. So is it really that we're talking about here all, com- you know, all, all types of suffering? So that my final answer to you is that it depends on what you suffer and how you suffer, whether or not you will be comforted. So it is conditional. And that's in verse 6, as we see here. <clears throat> if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when. Which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. So it's conditional, but so like, okay, uh, how do I experience it? The what, the what and the, and the how. The what, all suffering, you can be summed up in one word that comes to mind. Loss. But what did you lose? You know, if your kid loses a blanket, it's just a blanket, right? It's no big deal, you can get him a new blanket. You lose your phone, it's just a phone, you can get another phone, right? No, that's my favorite thing that got lost. You don't understand. This is my blanket. This is my comfort blanket. This is my favorite thing. If I said to you, you know, you're home, you go home and your house burned down to the ground while you were at church. Um, We can get you a new home. No big deal. Insurance will pay for that. And you're like, no, no, it wasn't just a house. It was a home. I lost a home. I lost all my memories. I lost, you know. So what did you lose is, is the question. Uh, COVID, what did we lose? What comes to the top of your head when you think of what did you lose? Just think about it for a second. What have you lost? One thing that we lost was our smile. We have to have a sign at Wawa now that tells me that they're smiling underneath their mask. We've lost our smile. Not the smile under your mask, because you know if you're smiling or not, but the other people who are supposed to receive comfort from you and your smile. Smiles are powerful. When your baby smiles at you, it's like fireworks go off in your head. When that guy you like smiles at you, it's like fireworks go off in your head. You know, you need that smile. That's what we've lost. Maybe I've talked to some people and COVID has been amazing. Like it's been awesome. <laughs> like they don't have to travel. They get to be at home with family. I mean, they get to watch Netflix. Like it's just amazing. What happens when we go back to normal? Then you're going to lose all that. Do we suffer just inconvenience or are we truly in touch with what God wants us to get in touch with, which is total loss. 
This is the weird thing about the gospel. Jesus invites us to lose everything. He said, he told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So Jesus invites you to face reality that this world is all about loss. That's why we can't have nice things. I love that phrase. We just can't have nice things. And we just won't accept that. We are like, no, I will make it nice. But Jesus invites you to let it go. Not let it go like the Buddhist would say, to detach and not have any feelings. No, Jesus would say, blessed are those who mourn. To find a deep lament that this world is fading away and you will lose everything. Paul embraced this. He said, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He accepted reality. Have you accepted reality? So what we suffer matters. Paul's trying to get us from just losing a blanket, just losing a house, to losing a home, to losing the, the deep despair that we have paradise lost, that we were kicked out, it's over, to get in touch with that. So your suffering should drive you to a greater mourning. That's what we suffer. How do we suffer? That matters too. Paul is all about formulas. So if you look in, um, uh, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, he gives you the secret formula of how to suffer. And I've been studying this verse for, 30, uh, for 20 years. I love it. It's, it's great. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Hope comes at the end of it all. But uh, what's fascinating, that I just, after 20 years, I just saw it for the first time, that that's the gospel. It's right there in front of us. Jesus suffers, and for the joy set before him, endures the cross so that he would be the character, the proven one, the true one, the Messiah. And because of him, we can have hope. Because of him, we can have hope. So how we suffer matters. That if you're going, whatever you're going through, I don't know what you're going through, you lost a job, you lost, you know, someone broke up with you, you lost your phone, whatever you're going through, to ask God to go through this suffering with you. To say, God, I need to endure, help me endure. Don't give up is my encouragement to you. Don't give up. I know some of you are going through really, really, really hard times. Don't give up. Because as you suffer, what you suffer, how you suffer, and then Paul, this is a little trick that he does that we can't see in English, but it's there in the Greek. In as much as we experience the Holy Spirit as we suffer. So the word here um, for comfort is paraklesis, which Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit. The, I'm not pronouncing it right, but the parakleto. He's using, he's saying, this is what Jesus says. <clears throat> but the helper, the parakleto, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Meaning everything in the world that they give you will be lost, but what I give you, you cannot lose. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So in your suffering, when you suffer, do you suffer in the Holy Spirit? Do you let the Holy Spirit suffer with you? Do you let the Holy Spirit speak to you, comfort you, remind you of the words that you need to hear that only the Holy Spirit can speak to you? That's the great disappointment about people is they just can't speak the words we need to hear. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the words that Jesus would would speak. So what we suffer, how we suffer, in as much as we experience the Holy Spirit, this is how we'll experience comfort. And the last one is, uh, well, the second ingredient actually is if we share in suffering, is what he says. This is our human condition problem, that one of the hugest problems that we have is that we cannot share. You have a lawnmower, your neighbor has a lawnmower, we're not sharing. I want to cut when I want to cut. We just can't share, and especially we can't share in suffering. Share is mentioned five times in this passage. And here is where we can really mess up the secret formula of comfort and miss out on the true comfort that Paul suggests is possible for us by misplacing our hope. So you can screw up comfort. You're like, why am I suffering? I can't find the comfort. Where's the comfort? You can really mess it up if you don't get this right, if you don't get your hope right. It's in verse 7. Our hope for you is unshaken. We, all of our hopes are really rattled now, especially in March. Everything was thrown off. But our hope for you is unshaken. And what we do is we change that word for, and we say our hope on you is unshaken. So we put our hope in people. My hope in you is unshaken. So we want to find an unshaken hope in our government leaders, in our scientists, in our economists. We want to find an unshaken hope in those people. Failure to share. You know, I, I saw that the CEO of Moderna that the pharmaceutical company that's in the that's in the lead right now in July he sold a bunch of shares of Moderna and made 4.8 million dollars a company that hasn't brought any product to market sells shares gets 4.8 million not like that was insider trading or anything uh, because you know he's the CEO he can do that any of us in that situation would have done the same thing we all a little bit in our pocket just to make sure, right? But here's the thing. He sold his shares. He's not all in. He's not like the captain that goes down with the boat. If this Moderna experiment fails, he's still going to have $4.8 million. We invested $2 billion. We won't see anything from that, but he will be okay. You and me, we won't have a vaccine, but he's going to be okay. But don't judge him, because you and I would do the exact same thing. You bet I'd put $4.8 million in my pocket. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. It's capitalism. I love it. (laughs) 
But it's not the gospel. I don't want a leader who's only somewhat in. He's got like one foot in, he's one foot out. If this fails, he's like, he's got the helicopter off the roof. No, I want the one, the leader who's all in. And that's where Jesus is my hero. That's why Jesus is awesome, because he was all in. Yet he was tempted just like the CEO. He's at the garden. He's like, here's my chance. God, please just find another way. Can you, can you do it a different way? And God says, if we're going to cover the sins of the world, take away the sins of the world, there's only one way. Jesus, you have to be all in, 100%. And he said, I'm all in. The closer, when we suffer, the closer we get to the cross, the more comfort we're going to experience. So the power of sharing, how powerful it is it? I mean, we all participate in it on social media. What's your favorite social media? Women? Pinterest? Is that wrong? Probably shouldn't say things like that. You know, maybe your favorite thing is, I don't know, monster trucks. I don't know what your favorite social media is. Mine is Facebook. Um, you're probably Instagram if you're cool, you know, if you're tweeting. But we share all the time. I have really important things to share. I'm going to share it. I get like two comments, and I'm like, I guess it wasn't that important. <laughs> um, but I'm part of a, a survivors, COVID survivors Facebook group with 9,000 members for long haulers, people who have had like effects after COVID that have lasted weeks and months. 9,000 of us. <clears throat> and uh, if you post something on there, you'll get at least 50 comments, maybe 500, because everyone is sharing in suffering. And they're just, they're so sorry that you have to go through what I'm going through. One guy on there put to words exactly what I was feeling, and it brought tons of comfort. I was like, I'm not an idiot. I'm not a hypochondriac. Someone else knows what I'm talking about. We want someone to share in our sufferings with us. My aunt is, uh, my wife's aunt is um, dying of cancer, and she um, has fentanyl to relieve the pain because it's so extreme. If she doesn't have fentanyl, she wouldn't be able to bear it. Um, but she's still lucid. She can still talk to you, and, and she's fine. Um, but she's in a lot of pain all the time. And she was living alone with her husband, who was going through some physical um, problems as well. And my wife's uh, mom decided, look, you need to come live with us. We want to take care of you. And so they brought uh, my wife's aunt and her husband to live with them. That was more powerful than any drug could be. My father-in-law said... We haven't seen them this happy and this smiling since a long time. The power of family is awesome to share in your suffering. Think about it as parents. Like, what <laughs> you want behavior modification, I know. But when you become a parent, you're basically just signing up for suffering. There's a sign-up sheet in the back, <laughs> suffering. Um, but you're like, you know what? I know I'm going to suffer a lot, but they're so cute. <laughs> and it's worth it. Foster care. This is, uh, you know, been doing this for quite a few years, and um, caseworkers will come to your house. I heard this on a podcast. The podcaster was joking. They said, if, you know, a caseworker comes to your house and they see a white couch, white couches, they know you're not ready. They know you're not ready to share in the suffering of some kid because that's the special room, the sitting room that you don't touch, you know? And I was like, I got white couches. 
after Calvin left, my son, he went to the military, we bought white couches. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I think I'd love these couches more than a kid right now. <laughs> I do. I, wanna, I want everything to be nice. I want it to be clean. Can we just keep it clean for once? Um, but I could see my heart being torn to have nice things in this world or to really love someone and make room for someone that might be, have issues. Which one is it? So Paul is trying to get us from Facebook to the cross. He's like, yeah, sharing on Facebook's great, but if you can share in your sufferings at the cross, that's the place to be. So my mom was dying um, and, uh, in the hospital, and I was with her for the last day that she was dying. She is a Christian. She had suffered most of her life. Some of it was from generational sins, and some of it was sin that she brought on herself. Some of it was wrong beliefs that caused sin. But all of that had her look to Christ who suffered the most. And she wanted to identify with Christ. She, that Christ was her hero who suffered on the cross. No one suffered like Jesus. He is the one that can understand me. So she's there lying in the bed. And um, I'm talking to Darren about decisions of like how to let my mom go. And it just this is so hard. And I'm seeing her suffering there with the mask on. And I don't know what to do. And, and she's thirsty. And she says, I need something to drink. And I go immediately to the nurse. She needs something to drink. Um, and they're like, well, we can't give her anything to drink. I'm like, no, you're going to give her some water because she can't, she's like, you know, really upset. And um, it had to be explained to me that if she drinks the water in the condition that she's in, it could go into her lungs. She could aspirate. And with her complications, she could choke and die. So she has to just be thirsty. They can stick a little sponge in her mouth. Have you ever been really thirsty and been given a little sponge? That does nothing. Um, so I just have to watch her suffer. And, um, she asked for water again later. And I just said, mom, you know, Jesus was thirsty at the cross. And I could tell that all of her anxiety just relaxed. She relaxed. She became calm. <laughs> it was great. It was like she could, she could see Jesus. So she was at the cross at that moment before she passed. That's the power of sharing, when we share in Christ's sufferings. What most formulas are missing, though, when it comes to the secret formula of comfort, what most are missing is the third ingredient that Paul points out to us right here in verse 10. I'll read it for you. <clears throat> he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Paul's like having a COVID moment here. It's like he almost died. We don't know what the thing was that he almost died from, but it was something uh, that was so intense. And he, and, he, and he reflects on God delivered us. He is delivering us. He will deliver us. So we have the past, the present, and the future in Paul's mind and in his heart of what Christ was able to accomplish to be the deliverer. Not just deliver you, like we all need the end of suffering, but not to just deliver you from your current suffering, but to give your suffering meaning and purpose that your suffering is to help someone else be comforted. Their suffering is to help you be comforted. So we have, you know, uh, wrapping this up here, you, you're going to take a path. When you leave here, you might go out this door, you might go out that door, but you have three paths that you can walk when you leave here today. Based on what I've shared with you, you can, you can choose the bliss 
path, which is the back to normal. I mean, I've said it to myself. I just can't wait till we get back to normal. But I realize that that's the bliss path. Bliss because really it's a slap in the face to everyone who has experienced any sort of social injustice in the last few months. Back to normal is, you know, terrible for them. So if I say, let's go back to normal, what am I saying? I'm saying, uh, it's good for me. I got my 4.8 million. I'm good. Let's go. So back to normal. That's, that's one path you could choose. The other path is better. A new normal. Better. That's what's being promised to us right now by the governments. They all have their slogan about a better tomorrow. Scientists, it's going to be better once we get the vaccine. Technology is always about an upgrade, meaning better. It's always better. So this is the other path you can take. But I feel like we're still under a misguided hope. The third path is blessing. The blessing is the new reality. So you can go back to normal, a new normal, or a new reality. Really, we should have been living in this new reality all along. Um, but here's a, a day, a fresh day to choose <clears throat> this, this path of blessing. And we see it <clears throat> in verse, um, well, I'm going to get to it here in a second. But Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, those who suffer together at the cross, for they will be comforted. And it starts right here at the Lord's table. When you come and you share in the bread and the wine, you're saying, Jesus, I want to share in your sufferings. I'm going to take the blessing path. The blessing path is when our hope is set on God, not on science, not on government. When our hope is set on God, we can have an unshaken hope for others and experience the blessing of comfort. So what does it look like to have an unshaken hope for others? Let's look at verse 11. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing. This is the path, the, the path of blessing. Granted us through the prayers of many. You must. So we're going to take a, a moment here, one or a minute or two minutes. I want you to think of someone that's suffering. And, and we're going to just pray for them um, right now. Just, just pray for someone that you know is suffering. God, we pray for Josh, uh, Josh, right, to go back to France, that um, he would be able to go back to soon and suffer with the people in France. We pray for the children in this room who thought that French uh, wasn't worth learning. We pray that they would learn French, that they would become missionaries, that the parents, Father, would let their children go and be missionaries. Even if they don't get to see their grandkids, that they would let them go to France that this kid, they can be not just one in a million, but this kid can be one in 11 million, um, part of something that's incredible, Father. So we pray that we would raise up missionaries to France in Jesus' name. So as you, uh, 
as you leave here and you take the blessing path, which I, I believe most of you want to take as you take the blessing path, what does that mean? That means for you to share in the sufferings of other people. So join a home group um, and share in their sufferings. And I promise you, there will be so much laughter of joy when you share in sufferings. There will be joy too. Um, it also means to pray for someone like that you meet with. Just say, hey, what can I pray for you? And I'm going to pray all the time until I see God answer that prayer. And then you can rejoice with them and you can mourn with them as, as you go along. So uh, as we come up here for communion, um, we're going to also, Sam's going to lead us in communion, I believe. And um, we're going to have a song about blessing and, and the power of, of sharing.